At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Debo Samuel. You're listening to Roster Watch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Week 5 edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and this is where we meet throughout the season to improve our fantasy football teams through the trade market. And as always, we'll begin on the sell side of the Week 5 fantasy football trade market. We'll begin with the running back position, Cordero Patterson. And guys, I'm reminded here as I put this together that much like the waiver wire cheat sheet, we are so down in the throes of these processes and projections that oftentimes we're a week or two ahead on some of these players. So you will see a couple of these guys, a few of these guys uh, that we talked about last week continue to pop up this week. But it's a reminder that we're kind of looking ahead. Um, sometimes there's more than a one week window on these players and uh, sometimes we're a little bit early and this is about getting these guys on your radar so you can operate with some foresight of course Cordero Patterson shaping up to be a really unbelievable fantasy asset through the first month of the season he's been a transformational waiver wire pickup for any team that's grabbed him and had the wherewithal to start him uh, that said, we're here to examine the nuts and bolts of his profile. It's a 46% touchdown dependency, 4.4 yards per carry, 5.5 targets per game, all uh, pretty impressive for a guy like Cordero Patterson, an unorthodox, non-traditional running back, but clearly the player with more juice in that backfield than Mike Davis, uh, and also just a better fit for the game scripts that these Falcons are finding themselves in. That said, it's still only 11.25 touches per game, and Cordero Patterson unbelievably has been producing as the RB3 on the season in standard formats based on points per game through the first month of the season, and that just simply does not reconcile. 11 touches a game uh, with uh, RB3 performance, by definition, he, he is in some form or fashion at least has to be in discussion as a sell high. Again, if you have him, um, you are thrilled. And if you need to keep him and continue flexing him or rolling him out as like an RB2 or whatnot, I think it's just fine for the foreseeable future. Uh, that said, as I mentioned, we are here to operate with foresight and continue to fortify our teams as we move forward. And you know, certainly Patterson is a guy uh, that we must uh, consider doing that with. So if you roster Cordero Patterson, uh, this is a good time to at least investigate, you know, test the market, 
see what's out there, see what kind of maybe elite fantasy asset you can leverage or parlay. Daryl Patterson and you know maybe a potentially another uh, high performing, over performing, sell high type of player from your roster. Uh, as usual, most of us are attempting to perform the consolidation trade at that at uh, uh, throughout the season. Uh, it's the way that we clear a roster spot for waiver pickup every week. It's a way that we continue to level up the player equity in our starting lineup and across our roster uh, to be more competitive every week and also to fade the attrition of the season. Next up on the sell side of the Week 5 Fantasy Football running back trade market, Chris Carson, 15 touches per game, 43% touchdown dependent, had a good fantasy box score in Week 1 through 3, but a poor Week 4 showing, and now we've got a little bit of a neck injury popping up. Uh, the next three games for Chris Carson are the Rams, Steelers, and Saints, all really ugly matchups for fantasy running backs. I'd try to trade him and upgrade if I could. Moving on, Leonard Fournette at the running back position. Another sell high. I loved Leonard Fournette in week four with Gio Bernard out, and I would continue to be pretty bullish on him as long as it's just him and Ronald Jones out there. Uh, Leonard Fournette operating at under 15 touches per game, only 7.7 points per game in standard Surprisingly, zero touchdowns on the season. Uh, Really doing damage with the five targets he's been getting, though. But I don't want to rely on that with a player like Leonard Fournette, even though the Bucs seem pretty committed uh, and confident in using him that way. He's just had such a checkered past as a receiver. Uh, We know he's got some, some skills there, but... There's also a lot that leaves to be, is left to be desired in that portion of his game. We've seen that kind of unfold over the course of his career. I think he's going to be hit or miss all year and is going to continue to be a pretty nice flex. But look, with the name value on the offense that he's on, I just think Leonard Fournette is a guy you use to upgrade when you can this season, when the good weeks come in from Fournette are the weeks that you want to try to capitalize uh, by selling him on the trade market. He's coming off his best game of the season in week four, and I think it's a good time to do uh, just that right now. You will want to keep an eye on Giovanni Bernard's status this week, uh, because if he is out and you do roster Fournette, um, Miami is another potentially really good matchup this week for Really for both Bucks running backs, if there's no Gio Bernard, because I think it's a game script that they could get up, and certainly Ronald Jones could get a little more run in, but clearly Fournette is the preferred player. He's the guy that's getting the targets. And Miami has a history, especially under Flores now, of um, you know being a little more competitive in these games against maybe a Tom Brady or maybe even a New England. We know that he has uh, familiarity there, so something to keep an eye on. But I'll tell you what, the other thing to keep an eye on is week seven, week eight is Chicago and New Orleans, and then week nine is a buy for Fournette. So if you're unable to move him now, I think you have a pretty good chance. Let's hear let's see what we hear on Geo, but I think there is a pretty good chance this window could stay open for another week as Fournette's likely to have a solid uh, outing against Miami um, in week five. That said, keep an eye on shopping 
Leonard Fournette and potentially selling high on him the next uh, week or so if you happen to roster uh, one Mr. Leonard Fournette. Kareem Hunt, RB9 to Nick Chubb's RB10 and half-point PPR formats on the season and points per game. Uh, in standard, they're actually uh, running back eight and running back nine. So these guys are living back-to-back right now with Kareem Hunt actually you know, in the lead by a hair over Nick Chubb in terms of fantasy production uh, thus far this season. Almost identical, identical profiles uh, from a... Uh, production and usage and statistical point of view. Um, the difference is Nick Chubb is getting 18 touches a game and Kareem Hunt's only getting 14 touches a game. Uh, it's been the difference in target share that's really bridged the gap for Kareem Hunt uh, this far. Um, look, he's a top 10 running back on less than 14 touches per game. That is a run in offense. He's a very good player. Just think that's a tough clip to maintain and I really don't see the volume budging at this point they've got to like the efficiency there and there's only so much you can take away from Nick Chubb so again on the sell side of the week five fantasy football market the running back side of the market if you continue to roster Kareem Hunt he's been a great play for most of the season he's a fine keep but he's a very marketable asset I believe that you may be able to utilize uh, to level up to a more premier player James Robinson, Jacksonville Jaguars, a golden son of Roster Watch Nation. Increased attempts every week of the season. 15 and a half touches per game, though, on average. is just still does not move the needle. Uh, he did have 18 touches in week four, but that was with Carlos Hyde out. I mean, that's the kind of game you think he should have 20-plus touches in. Uh, damn good player, though. 4.9 yards per carry, four targets per game, good red zone usage. Uh, a lot to like there. Things are looking up. I just don't trust the situation in Jacksonville. I don't trust the volume here. Uh, I think we should have seen more touches out of Robinson last week. So I would consider using him to upgrade if I could. Uh, he does have two good matchups here in a row in week five and six, and then a bye in week seven, uh, followed by another pretty good matchup in weeks eight. So again, not a fire sale on James Robinson. Things are looking up. You're feeling a lot better there if you roster him, but I would certainly consider moving him if I could. Clyde Edwards-Elaire, running back Kansas City. A good week three and a good week four after two stinkers to open this season. Five yards per carry, 16.25 touches per game. Both of his touchdowns were on receptions this season, and he's only getting two targets per game. Uh, Still... Certainly not thrilled by that or, you know, the red zone usage in terms of as a rusher. Uh, Blossoming to a solid offense, though, a solid asset on a great offense, though, after a slow start. I think you're starting to feel better about the return on certainly where you drafted him. The question is, how comfortable are you with that moving forward? You were scared as hell just two weeks ago. I think if you can capitalize on the last two weeks of production by Edwards Hilaire, you should definitely consider it. I still prefer somebody like Antonio Gibson, who has a very similar profile at this point. Uh, You just feel like there's more potential meat on the bone there with a guy like that. You know, again, we're not recommending lateral moves, uh, running back for running back, but just giving a little context here about how we uh, feel about Edwards Hilaire, um, at least in relative terms. It is a tough matchup this week against Buffalo for Clyde. 
And then he does have a solid schedule, though, after that, week 6 through week 12, uh, I believe when they have their bye, basically the next six weeks, the big meat of the fantasy season, he does have a pretty nice schedule. So uh, like most of these other dudes, not a fire sale on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, not a must-sell, but a, you know, investigate to sell. What can you get for him? This is the diligence that you need to do if you want to have an edge over your opponents. Najee Harris. Massive usage, but every week it's a nail biter until garbage time, and it's just not pretty to watch. Uh, an absolutely studly player, though. Obviously, a fine keep. He's he's keeping you afloat just fine for where you drafted him at. Um, I think the upside's a little bit limited, and the floor, you know, the floor is it's not super low because of the usage. But if he doesn't have one of these games where he gets all this garbage time action. You're going to have some lackluster games. And then I, I also worry a little bit with this kind of usage. He, look, he's a beast and he's a rookie. I think he'll hold up, you know, but that is a question. You know, can he hold up with this much volume the rest of the season? We started to see Benny Snell get a little more involved this last week. Certainly didn't like to see that, but, you know, rational, you know, logic would would tend to indicate that they probably do need to begin spelling him at least a little bit more uh, than they have through the first month of the season. James Conner, running back, Arizona Cardinals, 3.2 yards per carry, less than one target per game on the season, and a whopping 55% touchdown dependency in standard formats. But look, you know, it's like the trash man said, that's what he does. That's what he's going to do this year. He is going to score touchdowns. Sometimes a high touchdown dependency, while... Obviously not sustainable. It does indicate a propensity to score touchdowns, and clearly that's going to be the situation with James Conner on this offense. And he's doing a good job of it. So I think that is how he will maintain his value here. But, you know, if you roster James Conner, you know, that's the problem with touchdowns. They're unpredictable, guys who rely on him. So it's very hard to pinpoint, uh, you know, the right week to play him. He's He's a tough guy to start or to play on any given particular week, which is the the ideal player to try to package up and bring back somebody that you can trust a little bit more. Coming off of two big fantasy games, uh, he does have a really solid schedule ahead through the Week 12 bye. So again, not a fire sale on James Conner, but worth the consideration. Zach Moss, Buffalo Bills, 59% touchdown dependency, even worse than Conner. 13 touches per game, two targets per game. Um, really delivering from a fantasy perspective. I think it's actually a really solid role for him uh, with Buffalo. They seem to like him in the red zone. Um, that's That said, his profile leaves something to be desired. He's sharing the backfield with Devin Singletary, who's been quite effective as well. And again, much like Connor, it's just a little tricky. You know, you start him when you have to. You start him when you have to. It's a little tricky you know, deciding, you know, if you really want to get him in your starting lineup every week, I think you can upgrade to a player that you trust a little bit more uh, the rest of the season. I'd say Latavius Murray with Baltimore, uh, that's just a bad running back situation. It looks like he has the lead right now, but I'd say while he's the hot commodity in that run game, uh, I would also look to flip him if I could. Miles Sanders, boy, this is certainly... 
not a sell high, <laughs> and maybe not even a sell because he's such a sell low, but I think he's a guy that we have to talk about if somehow he maintains any kind of value in your league based on where he was drafted or his name his name recognition or maybe just you know the fact that some people kind of like that offense. But boy, his value's been totally submarine by 12 touches per game, and I think most of your league mates are onto it at this point. Kenny Gainwell is a big thorn in his side, and this thing's gotten pretty ugly pretty quick for Miles Sanders. Zero touchdowns scored on the season. So all of that said, I mean, he was in the buy low category last week. Um, not somebody we were doing cartwheels to go get, but somebody we had to be interested in. And, you know, there could still be some teeth to that line of logic. I mean, clearly he has nowhere to go but up. I think there's definitely better days ahead from Miles Sanders. I think just big picture, though, I mean, you're very, this is a very concerning situation. So he might be the kind of guy that if we can get a good game out of him here anytime soon, at least he's on our radar as somebody we might just want to relinquish uh, the headache. All right, folks, let's go ahead and turn over to the sell side, the wide receiver side of the sell side of the fantasy football trade market week five right here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast and folks this is a good time for me to take a second to remind you we have a new partner uh, with a really exciting new dfs platform uh, jock market and i know we have kind of a cult following here uh, on the tradecast with some pretty uh, i'd say pretty sophisticated users some pretty uh, dedicated uh, fantasy football players. Uh, guys, I think the jock market could be right up your alley. You don't ever have to worry about setting a lineup. It's all about buying and selling uh, fantasy players. I mentioned Leonard Fournette uh, earlier. I did really well with him in jock market on the Sunday night slate this week. Uh, anyway, so I'd encourage each and every one of you, I'd ask each and every one of you to please go over to the jock market. You can go to jockmkt.com or you can go to the app store on your phone and download uh, the new Jock Market DFS app. Use the promo code ROSTERWATCH for a deposit match up to $50. Uh, that's the bono, bonus code, the, pro, uh, the promo code. And um, I believe right now they are still reimbursing people for their losses up to $100 in their first week of action. It's a really, um, a really nice form of insurance as you go over there and kind of get acclimated of the platform. Anyways, our, our guys over at Jock Market turned out to be really good friends, good partners of Roster Watch. We ask that you support them. We ask that you support us by supporting Jock Market, a new partner of ours. You are also supporting us. And I can tell you right now, we have a few, uh, uh, a few very dedicated members of Roster Watch Nation who are absolutely crushing over on the Jock Market platform right now. We have one user, uh, T Rex, right here from Roster Watch Nation that started off with. I mean, just a few hundred dollars less than a year ago, and he's got his bankroll up to over 30000 on Jock Market. That's jockmkt.com, or download the Jock Market app on the App Store on your phone and use the promo code ROSTERWATCH. Okay, folks, back to the wide receiver side of the Week 5 fantasy football trade market, the sell side of the trade market. And where else could we begin but with Debo Samuel? He leads the league in receiving. Leads the league in receiving yards over guys like Tyreek Hill and and they're all the rest of them. Uh, really good player. You guys know he's a golden son of Roster Watch Nation for years. We discovered him at the Senior Bowl where he absolutely dominated. I believe it was the year after Cooper Cup dominated. And we said this guy is a little bit of a different player. 
uh, but we saw a little similar little similarities there and uh, a little bit of similarity there and uh, actually maybe a lot of similarity there. Both of those guys on fire uh, to begin the season and we've always known Debo was good. Uh, started off his career well in San Francisco. A little bit of a swoon with injuries the last year or two, but boy, has it been an enormous breakout, and they love him there uh, with the 49ers. Um, that said, Debo, Samuel, we, I mean, you guys know who he is, leading the league in receptions, possibly with a rookie quarterback on deck that people are pretty excited about, but still a r- rookie quarterback who is a, a really natural passer, not a super development guy, but it's going to take time for Trey Lance to become, I think, the passer, even that Jimmy Garoppolo is, to kind of deliver this type of production to somebody like Debo Sam. You would expect that Debo will take a step back if the rookie quarterback gets inserted into the lineup uh, this week and beyond. So need I say more? I mean, Debo Samuel is the ultimate definition of a sell high, and I think you could sell for a king's ransom right now. Tyler Boyd at the wide receiver position. Another potential, I'd say, sell high this this week. He's coming off a couple of good games. Boyd's been a nice fantasy player the last few weeks. We do have T. Higgins returning, though. The third part of that triumvirate, receiving triumvirate there in Cincinnati, and I expect that to affect uh, Tyler Boyd. He's coming off of three double-digit fantasy outings and half-point PPR. Uh, Solid player to roster, but I think you can turn him in to something better. Corey Davis, the New York Jets. Boy, the New York Jets are a pain in the neck. Mike Rabel sure did learn that firsthand uh, this last week. It's a good matchup again this week for Corey Davis, but then it's a bye week, and he's coming off a big game. Week one was also a big game. I think you shop him for someone more reliable that's not connected to a rookie quarterback while you can. I mean, This is the kind of player that is going to be up and down all season, and anytime you get a good game out of him is a good time to try to capitalize. Speaking of, Darnell Mooney of the Chicago Bears. I don't trust the Bears further than I can throw them. And I'd say coming off a 125-yard game where there was a little bit of industry hype around Mooney this last week anyways, I would try to move him for somebody better if I could. Down in Miami, Devontae Parker, player we're all very familiar with from over the years. Um, I think he's benefiting... From, you know, Will Fuller clearly uh, not cutting into anybody's production at this point. So I think Devontae Parker has been pretty serviceable recently, but we know who he is. I will say he's got three good matchups the next few weeks. The the next uh, three weeks in a row are really solid potential matchups for Parker. And presumably Fuller could continue to be out through that stint, which would make Parker viable. Still, we're, we're dealing with a quarterback situation that, uh, we're certainly not entirely comfortable with. And, and we also know Parker, outside of the one breakout 1,200-yard season, he's a little bit of a hit-or-miss guy. And um, I'd say coming off the best fantasy game of the season, you know, with circumstantially things still left to be desired about his situation and his profile, I, I always think Parker is a good candidate to shop, to upgrade uh, when you can. In that same boat, a player who should be more prolific, but actually is, a, I'd say, kind of similar in some ways at this point, at least in this offense in New York. Uh, Kenny Galladay, I don't trust it either. He's averaging only about six targets per game and has yet to score a touchdown uh, so far this season. 
Plus, we have Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton returning soon. We saw the emergence of Kadarius Toney and you know even John Ross reared his head this last week. I don't like any of that for Kenny Galladay. Um, he was drafted too high in August, and I think if you can recoup some of that value through the trade market, you'd be wise to do so. A.J. Green in Arizona, what a delight he's been this season. guy that I was kind of interested in, a guy I drafted super late this year on my competitive leagues, a guy I got screwed this last week, man, I made... I tricked myself. I Somehow I roster him and Christian Kirk, and I know it's the impossible nightmare. Um, Kirk was a waiver ad for me a week or two ago. I got him for free after waivers ran. I, I couldn't help but pick him up, but I always knew this was going to turn into a bad pick-your-poison situation with Green. And, you know, you get into these situations where you get injuries, you got a tough sit-start to make, and you trick yourself into thinking, well, I better who's the higher upside guy here? Instead of just going with the dude that's, you know, uninspiring but you know he's getting the targets I tricked myself into going with Christian Kirk last year and I got one of his classic duds when you know if I just plotted along plugged along with AJ Green I would have you know I would have gotten the points I I needed and pulled off a really important win this last week in a super competitive league and you know that's a tough hair to split but I feel like that's just from a strategic tactical point of view during the season Tricking yourself when you have two guys you can't decide between tricking yourself into going with the higher upside guy, most of the time that never works out for me. Most of the time if I just say who I you know in your gut when you're looking at those two players, like who is more likely to at least get you something? Who's got the better profile? And that's 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 the better route most of the time. I did the same damn thing with Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Renfro a couple weeks ago in another league. Lost because of, you know, granted, if you're losing because of a decision that far down your roster, uh, you know, you're not operating with uh, much uh, cushion. <laughs> it's tough to play all season like that, but still, those are the decisions you've got to make to get some of these tough wins. And I learned my lesson. I got Renfro in over Aguilar this week, and uh, that was big. So I digress a little bit there. Um, but, you know, it's always good to kind of talk about these finer points of playing fantasy football while we're stepping through these other discussions like the trade market, like the Week 5 fantasy trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast. And I think A.J. Green is a very reasonable asset to if you roster him, see, like, you're not going to get a lot for A.J. Green, but can you throw him into a deal and to a team that needs a wide receiver and can that help put you over the top on a trade that you are interested in making this week? I mean, A.J. Green has some momentum right now. It's three double-digit fantasy games in a row in half-point PPR formats. He's only getting that six targets per game, though. That's where you need to be wary. But I feel like in your league, he could be burnishing his image. Um and maybe his name value is being restored a bit uh, among your league mates. If so, A.J. Green has some marketability at the moment. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
to wrap up the sell side of the week five wide receiver trade market, Emmanuel Sanders in Buffalo. He's strung together a few good games, and he has decent matchups the next two weeks, uh, followed by a bye. Uh, so, again, you probably picked him off waivers for free, not a guy that you have to move, but a really good candidate to consolidate with maybe a better player, uh, freer roster spot, so you can pick up the next Emmanuel Sanders off of waivers and capitalize while this guy's producing because, I mean, just ask yourself, a few weeks ago, you would have thought he was a had no value in fantasy. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have to come off those takes as we get more information, but it's always good to kind of have a, um, you know, to kind of be tethered to, uh, you know, to some context. And that's the context that we should have with Emmanuel Sanders is that uh, you've basically... It's a form of alchemy. You've potentially turned nothing into something. And alchemy is witchcraft. Uh, That's not something we want to engage in too frequently uh, in our fantasy football leagues or rely on. Robert Woods, to wrap up the wide receiver side of the sell market this week. Look, I don't even know if he's marketable in your league. Probably not. Um, But I I think he's kind of like we talked about Miles Sanders uh, earlier it's it's just an interesting situation a guy to talk about his only salva- salvation has been two garbage time touchdowns this season so I do think there are better days ahead he's kind of getting the squeaky wheel narrative uh, McVeigh has come out and said he's got to get him more involved you know there's so many guys there I don't know how much more involved but it, it, it makes sense he should be more involved he's too good of a player and and look Robert Woods has a really really solid schedule the next several weeks so if you own him or maybe if your league mates don't value him, maybe, you know, we talked about him as a buy low last week. He continues to be a little bit of a buy low, maybe like a Miles Sanders. I think this depends on how things are shaping up in your league and how he's viewed and, you know, what's going on with the owner that rosters him. Um, but I think if anybody's buying the narrative that he's on the verge of this bounce back, and if they're only paying attention to the box scores, the fantasy box scores, the touchdowns have helped... Uh, make that look a little better than it really is. I think he's a try to, a guy you can try to move if you can uh, for a better player that you're a little more comfortable with. Um, again, Robert Woods, Miles Sanders. I think it could go either way uh, with with those guys. But at some time, you just got to kind of recognize uh, what you have on your hands. And if you're able to get those guys hot, you think about uh, you think about moving on. Moving on to greener pastures if you can. Speaking of moving on to greener pastures, we will now move on to the buy side of the Week 5 Fantasy Football trade market right here on the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. And uh, this is where we always get excited or, you know, who are the guys that we can go target this week? Who are the bigger name guys we can go target um, to help improve our teams this week? So we'll begin with the running back side of things. And we will continue to talk about Dalvin Cook. Again, a player we spoke about on this podcast last week he's rb5 in terms of touches per game but he's rb15 in terms of production half point ppr points per game only 18 percent touchdown dependent Uh, we know that has a likely uh, opportunity to improve coming off of five point outing in week four where he didn't really look like himself Um, we've seen madison look pretty good behind him Guys, he has a tremendous matchup at Detroit this week. We um, 
clearly you want to kind of hear what's going on a little more with his health, but he's not in, in any, he's not in, it doesn't sound like he's in jeopardy of any major, you know, missed time. And maybe it's just a little bit of a slow comeback here uh, from that ankle. So I think, you know, uh, the, the calculated risk is that you don't worry too much about that. And maybe you hope his owner has been a little affected um, psychologically by what's unfolded with Dalvin through uh, the first month of the season. Again, you're not going to buy this guy really low, but I think he is at least in play, which is a pretty big development for a guy like him. Pretty soon, Madison will be dropped. You'll be able to grab the handcuff uh, for free, who's an excellent handcuff to have. It's a it's a pretty good situation to lock up. If you can go get yourself Dalvin Cook, uh, love the matchup this week against Detroit. Guys, one of my absolute favorite players to attempt to trade for right now, and this is a calculated risk, it's not a lock, but I'm willing to go out on this limb. Damian Harris, running back New England Patriots, I just love it. We knew the last two weeks were going to be bad, and predictably we'd be in what's probably a a very by low spot. 3.5 yards per attempt. Only two targets per game, none of that good for fantasy. 14 touches per game, not good for fantasy. It's been ugly for Damian Harris since week two. The attempts have declined each week since week one. Um, But, however, we knew the last two weeks were going to be predictably terrible matchups where he was going to lay eggs. And we've kind of been waiting for this moment to ripen, and I think we're here uh, post-James White. Uh, I mean, who else do they really trust in that backfield? Nobody. Nobody. And the guy has a really solid schedule ahead, including Houston this week for Damian Harris. So I like him to bounce back uh, here for the foreseeable future and probably the rest of the way this season. I think Damian Harris, a very intriguing buy low who may be totally undervalued uh, by your league mates in your league. DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions, only six point. Nine points in half-point PPR on only 12 touches in week four. Also only 3.4 yards per carry on the season for DeAndre Swift, but he's getting the 16 touches per game. Most importantly, he's getting over seven targets per game. I think it's a solid matchup this week with Minnesota. Um, You know, again, you're not going to steal DeAndre Swift, but, you know, he was RB7 points per game last week I think in half point PPR after the first three weeks of the season that's taken a little bit of a hit here and um, you know maybe it's created a moment a moment to try to buy DeAndre Swift Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders only 3.2 yards per carry this is a guy we spoke about last week uh, it's kind of again another kind of calculated risk it's just definitely a speculative move 15 touches per game, less than 15 touches per game, 55% touchdown dependency for Josh Jacobs. Uh, Those are all ugly numbers. Uh, But what really inspired me was his usage. I think it was revealing. When the going got tough, the Raiders were in a big primetime game in a game they need to win against a tough division opponent, even coming off the ankle. uh, They really gave Jacobs solid usage it was 18 touches I think that can go up potentially uh as the ankle heals up a little bit but most importantly he got the five targets will that maintain 
you know, history says maybe not because they haven't used him like that. But we all know the guy is a good pass catcher and it's always been a head scratcher. He hasn't been used more. So I don't know. I just saw a guy that the Raiders were clearly committed to as their lead back uh, kind of, you know, when the going gets tough. And I love the five targets. If that target share continues, again, it's speculative, but that's a boon for Josh Jacobs. So I don't think his owners are married to him. I think he's coming off of like another eight. It was an eight-point performance and half-point PPR. Um, and I believe the Raiders have revealed their intentions with their lead running back. Uh, he does have Chicago and Denver the next two weeks. Not really particularly good matchups. So Maybe Jacobs is a guy we just keep an eye on here. I like him most, week seven and beyond. He's got a week eight bye. Uh, but after that, uh, it's a good schedule, pretty good schedule. You know, I call it a, a average, above average schedule. And again, I do like him in week seven before the bye. Uh, so Josh Jacobs, you know, just depending on what it'll cost you, I think he's a guy that you can certainly take a look at, if not this week, over the course of the next few weeks. Joe Mixon. Cincinnati Bengals running back three in terms of touches per game on the season 22 and a half touches per game RB 16 production though so RB three in touches but RB 16 in production um, has a lot to do with his usage it's not really getting the targets it's a bad offensive line still in Cincinnati um, he's depending on who you listen to he's either week to week with an ankle or day to day with an ankle right now um, so you're gonna have to kind of Keep an eye on his injury status here uh, before you go too crazy investing in Joe Mixon. But the guy has a really juicy matchup with Detroit in week six if he is able to go this week. And otherwise, I think it continues to extend the moment to maybe buy a little bit low on Mixon, a guy who's clearly going to get pretty massive volume. And I think, you know, we like Burrow. We like the receivers ultimately. It's all, you know, ultimately, that's going to result in uh, Mixon being a pretty viable. Uh, asset the rest of the way. Alvin Kamara in a bit of a similar boat. I think if you look at Alvin Kamara's fantasy box scores, he's not really a, much of a buy low at this point. I mean, his production's been good enough that I don't think anybody's really, you know, really in an uh, eager to part with him. And you know, you know, the question is if you part with Kamara, who who all can you really who can you really, you know pivot to and under that circumstance that's the question the Camara owner is going to be asking themselves and especially he's getting 22 touches per game I mean this is the kind of volume you would dream up uh, for Alvin Kamara but you know in the same line as Joe Mixon he's RB4 in touches per game on the season 22 touches per game but he's only RB17 in terms of production and half point uh, points per game through the first month of the season and only three and a half targets per game which has been really really surprising for Kamara I think that could be the difference from uh, Drew Brees to Jameis Winston and maybe the way they play calls and maybe the way those guys uh, play quarterback. He's just not getting the luxury of all the passes that Brees uh, used to give him. So Alvin Kamara, you know, again, you're not going to go steal this guy. I don't know. I think his upside might be a little limited this year, even with the you know, increase in the touch volume. You know, it's just gotta, I think this is a guy you got to kind of see what side of the fence uh, your league is on in terms of Alvin Kamara or his owner is on in terms of Alvin Kamara. It's a middling matchup with Washington this week. Um, and then he's got a bye week. But after that, it's a good matchup in, versus Seattle in week seven. Back to a tough matchup against Tampa in week eight. And then 
Atlanta in week nine and onto a decent week 10 and 11. So it's a mixed bag for Camara schedule kind of the rest of the way. Um, I take the temperature of the Alvin Camara owner. You never feel bad if you can bring Camara on board and just see what happens. Antonio Gibson, again, similar to Camara, his box scores have been pretty good. So I don't think his owners are any rush to really get rid of him or you're going to buy super low. But, uh, you know, at 17 touches per game, I like Antonio Gibson. You know, he's kind of was drafted in the same bucket as Austin Eckler. The problem is he's only getting about half the targets of somebody like Eckler. You know, that said, compared to somewhere like Clyde edwards Lair, we like him more in the receiving game and in the red zone. So I think he kind of lives somewhere between Clyde and Austin Eckler in terms of how you would want to project him uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, like I said, the box scores have been pretty good from a fantasy perspective, so I don't think that his owners are desperate, of course. But, you know, I think they could be getting a little frustrated with his usage and the J.D. McKissick situation, and sometimes that frustration uh, can lead to an opportunity uh, that you can capitalize on. It's a tough matchup this week versus New Orleans. So, you know, again, we might have a window here on Gibson even into next week. Uh, because it does get bad, better in week seven, week six and week seven against KC and Green Bay. Um, you know, although I, I would say it is fair to expect McKissick to continue to be involved in all three of these upcoming matchups. I think Antonio Gibson's just, he's an interesting guy. He's an interesting guy, depending on what's going on uh, with him in your league. All right, folks, on to the wide receiver side of the week five fantasy football trade market, the sell side of the trade market. These, excuse me, the buy side. These are the wide receivers that I recommend you, you know, go search their names in your fantasy football league uh, today or tomorrow or the rest of this week and see what's going on with them and see if there's a deal to be had. Uh, We'll begin with C.D. Lamb in Dallas. It's been a couple of stinkers the last few weeks. And we got to keep in mind that Michael Gallup will be back soon. Um, Still, I'm taking my chances anytime I can on acquiring CeeDee Lamb, one of the absolute premier young receiving talents in the league on an excellent offense with a great quarterback. And you know, we have Amari Cooper who is doing his annual uh, service to us of, of getting a little banged up already. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, a player that I will uh, take my chances on any day of the week. DeAndre Hopkins, only 6.25 targets per game. Again, this is on the buy side of the Week 5 wide receiver uh, fantasy football trade market. Overall, I like DeAndre Hopkins' schedule all the way uh, to, like, Week 12. So, you know, look, it's DeAndre Hopkins with a pretty good schedule ahead on a damn good offense. Again, you're not going to rip his owner off for him, but... He's left something to be desired, and, you know, I don't know. I don't think we're going to get quite the same Hopkins profile we've been accustomed to. There's just too many other options there, and, you know, his 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 manager in your league may be coming to grips with that. Therefore, he could be available. Again, you want to be looking – go, go to the rosters of the losing teams in your league, especially the teams that are all like zero-win or one-win teams. If any of them have Hopkins – They really, if they want to be competitive, they don't have a choice but to at least listen to trade offers. They they have to try to win right now, and I'd say you'd be shrewd uh, to see what can be done for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, 
A little bit different situation in Tennessee. AJ, AJ Brown and Julio Jones. It's kind of a schedule for both those guys. It's kind of a mixed bag from now all the way until their week 13 bye. Uh, still, it's AJ Brown. It's Julio Jones. Kind of out of sight, out of mind. Been a very disappointing season for their managers. And, um, you know, if I was a team that was in the top of the standings with a bunch of assets and I had the luxury of being able to kind of absorb the unknown with either of these Titans wide receivers for the foreseeable future and kind of stash them on my bench, I absolutely would. Uh, Clearly, they both have pretty legitimate breakout potential. Keenan Allen continues to live on the buy side of the fantasy football trade market. 11 targets per game. But guys, he's averaging less than 9 points per game in standard formats. I mean, he's behind guys like A.J. Green and Henry Ruggs right now in terms of uh, sheer fantasy production, at least in in standard formats. Tough matchups for Keenan Allen the next two weeks, and then he's got a bye in week seven. Uh, He has a really nice fantasy football, like end of season and playoff schedule, though, from week 13 to week 16. Um, So Keenan Allen, maybe he's a guy that we want to just keep an eye on, you know, for a little bit later in the season. So we could have a window here that stays open for a few weeks on Keenan Allen, or if we have the luxury to get him now uh, and we're a winning team, we can stash him to have him as like a kind of a big time weapon later in the season. I think it's smart. Um, I will say this, having seen Keenan Allen live in training camp many, many times over the years, and you guys have heard me assess the Mike Williams situation a number of times, especially from, including from training camp uh, out in Los Angeles this year. Keenan Allen's still a very, 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 very good player. You know, my eyes told me when I was at camp this year, and you got to realize he's he's what nine? I think this is his ninth year in the league at this point. Um, I think it's fair to ask if Keenan Allen has lost a quarter step. I think that's a fair question to ask. Chris Godwin. Look, there's better days ahead for Chris Godwin and for Antonio Brown, for that matter, uh, in Tampa Bay. There's better days ahead for Brady and that entire offense. I think the Gronk injury opens up some things here for these guys, too. Um, Look, the week one through three, very solid fantasy box scores for Chris Godwin, so his owners aren't going to be shook because of that. But, you know, the usage has been 7.75 targets per game, and he had the stinker in week four, so... Uh, look, if there's a window open on Godwin or Antonio Brown, who's getting you know seven targets per game, uh, I, I think you have to consider it. I think this team is better when they spread the ball around, and Mike Evans has been getting you know over nine targets per game. I, I think we see Godwin and Antonio Brown. Um, I think we see them kind of equalize a bit here in the coming weeks. So uh, if they've kind of uh, lost the sheen in your league. Two guys I'd always be happy to add at the right price. And then let's wrap up the week five uh, side of the wide receiver market, the buy side of the fantasy football trade market uh, with T. Higgins of Cincinnati. Um, he's expected to return this week out of sight, out of mind. Boyd's been performing. Chase is the subject of all the attention there. Um Higgins a good player. I'm sure his owner values him a little, especially if they've absorbed these last two weeks here of, you know, basically of non-participation. Uh, they're probably waiting to get him back, but he may not even be a starter for some folks. So I'd say if T. Higgins is a guy you can get as a throw-in or a cheap pickup on the trade market this week, 
Uh, he'd be a smart guy to look at. And I will say that that same line of logic extends to Jalen Waddle, especially now that we know Will Fuller may be missing some more time in Miami. Uh, I think the schedule the next three weeks looks really good for Jalen Waddle, including a really nice matchup on paper this week against Tampa. You know, we're hearing Tua might be back soon. I think those guys have a bit of a, a chemistry. So Jalen Waddle, is, is, especially if we get any more clarity on Will Fuller's uh, status and how much time he may miss, is a guy that I think is really, really sneaky rookie uh, to try to acquire at this juncture of the season. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I always uh, try to leave you with a couple of mock trade deals to give you a template or a roadmap uh, uh, in your own leagues. And I love forward, I, I love looking forward to seeing the deals and the questions about the deals that come in over on the message boards at rosterwatch.com. Uh, always uh, helps me keep dialed into the trade market and um, just, you know, real, really fun to see uh, what the fruits of this uh, uh, labor come to be. Uh, the first mock trade deal I'll leave you with this week is, guys, it, why don't you trade Leonard Fournette and Debo Samuel for Dalvin Cook? Or can you sell Chris Carson for Damian Harris and Jalen Waddell? Or can you get Damian Harris and T. Higgins for somebody like Chris Carson? Or Chris Carson in a little throw-in? Or maybe somebody, you know, James Robinson. Can you sell James Robinson for Damian Harris and T. Higgins? I certainly wouldn't mind that kind of move if I needed two players in return. Uh, Zach Moss or James Conner, can you take one of those guys and throw in a Darnell Mooney or an A.J. Green and go get yourself a C.D. Lamb? And that might be a little bit of aggressive move there. Maybe that's not possible, but you see where we're headed there. Uh, last but not least, can you sell Debo Samuel for Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown and Damian Harris? If you need two players, if you need more depth, if you need a better starting lineup, I think that it would be uh, an extremely shrewd move. Okay, Roster Watch Nation, thank you so much for joining in this, this week. And until next time, so long. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.